Um, let's review just a little bit uh, what we introduced yesterday with the spacious, uh, the opening out of the awareness uh, in, into kind of vast awareness. And remember, please remember, it's just one option. <clears throat> different people, as I uh, keep saying, different people will kind of find different pieces of the jigsaw work better for them, easier, um, more fluidity, etc., more access. And that's all completely fine. So it's just one option. It's one possibility. Um, <clears throat> and just to, again, describe what that uh, would involve, that direction, that approach. Um, starting anchoring the awareness, the mindfulness in the body, really important. So that's the kind of uh, root, the center of the awareness, so to speak. And then from there, when you're ready, opening it out further. And you could start with what's going on in the, in the central axis, you could, or just the body generally. But opening out further, still including the body, but starting to include listening. Uh, listening... The reason we include listening partly is because sounds uh, usually arise from all different directions and all different distances. So that when I'm opening to listening, just by virtue of where the sounds are coming from, one can't help but open out the awareness. The awareness opens out there. So it's, it, it's almost like the sounds are a support for this uh, expansiveness of the awareness. And then within that, one is just so to speak, resting in that openness. The awareness is open and receiving uh, the sounds, but still also the body sensations. And really just resting in the sense of letting everything be. So letting a sound arise, letting a body sensation or the contraction of an emotion, uh, whatever it is, letting it be, letting it arise, letting it live, letting it pass. Uh, and in a way, as one does that, one can also support the attitude or even have a, have a sense that all these phenomena that are arising and passing, and they kind of belong to the space. So we tend to always, it's always me and mine, we appropriate things. They belong to the space, it belongs to the silence. So that's a kind of attitude within this space that's really, really helpful. Let everything, everything, belong to the silence, belong to the space. Whatever it is, and whatever it is that's coming up, beautiful, ugly, or indifferent, belongs there. You can let it belong there. So that includes, eventually, as we stabilize in that space, includes thoughts, and includes even the sense of contraction when we don't let things belong to the space, and we, and we go... I need to get rid of this thing or it's mine or it's me and, and you can feel the body and feel the being and the heart and the central line contracting well that contraction too is just an experience happening in the space it's just an experience a uh, kind of impression that arises and then will dissolve again no problem let it belong to the space so in this in this attitude then the attention is not so much going to this sound over there and then a bird calls over there, and the sound goes over there, and then someone shuffles, and the attention goes over there, and then it goes to the body, and then it goes to the thought. It's not so much darting from this to that. So that's one mode of attention, is is we sort of target something with the attention, very helpful, and focus the attention on something. This is more um, 
the totality, totality of sounds, the totality of experience. And it's more, we could say, receiving. The awareness is receiving phenomena, receiving experience. And there's a sense, as I said, that the space can kind of hold everything. It does hold everything. It embraces everything. Maybe this silence, this space permeates everything as well. So that again is one one option, one one uh, approach that some people find very useful and others less so. And maybe if you don't find it useful now, there'll be another time or another retreat or another period in your practice life when it does feel very useful. That's all. It's all fine. But in a way, it's one more resource. It's a very potentially very profound resource for us as human beings in relationship to certainly to our emotions, but also to just life and experience. But I, I want to talk a little bit more about resources and resourcing. And we've touched on it in lots of different ways, but just to uh, pull it out a little bit more. So last night in the talk was mentioning um, you know, that our friends are resources. So we have external resources, and this is really important to have a sense of being supported and supporting e- each other. In the sense of being able to share, being able to feel heard and listened to. Uh, hugely significant. Um, and at the same time, we're also on the journey of, uh, on the journey towards an independence, towards really being able to hold our experience, our, our uh, emotions, certainly ourselves, and hold them well ourselves. Um, so a big part of resourcing that actually Chris is going to talk about compassion tonight, is that right? Yeah. So um, talking about developing beautiful qualities of the heart, uh, loving kindness, compassion, generosity, equanimity, uh, concentration, what we call samadhi in, in the Pali, uh, and calmness. All these qualities, it's like they go into the being and then they're part of my well of resources. And I can use them in my life. They're, they're, I have access to them, especially when things are difficult. Um, so there's a whole part of resourcing that's about developing uh, beautiful qualities of the heart and practices that do that. And uh, I've already said this twice, but it's worth saying it again. You know, what happens when we have a calm mind state, a calm heart state? Oftentimes we just want to dismiss it. Or, or not even notice it. But if I can sustain the attention on it and actually give it some interest, what happens through the attention on it? it? seems like it's not worth paying attention to. It will start deepening and growing, generally speaking, and may even deep, deepen into peace or into joy even. And that habituation of the consciousness uh, to peace, to joy, that again, becomes part of the well, part of the pool that we can draw on. Uh, Peace, joy, become the grooves of of the consciousness more and more, the habitual grooves, and become accessible to us in life. And that's massive. That's massive. Uh, Many times, as we've already alluded to, there are resources 
that are there and we don't notice them. For some reason, we don't notice them and so we can't use them and draw on them. So they're present, but we just we have no access to them because we're kind of blinkering them out. We just don't register that they're there. Um, so, for example, the silence and the space. With, with a, a bit of practice with this, one realizes actually it's a... Uh, it, in some senses, it's always there and it's always available as a resource. Always there. Like we were saying with the music last night. It's always holding things. It's just that we might not realize that it's holding things. And similarly, the energy body. And sometimes we get so caught up in what's going on that we forget that if I just expand a little bit, maybe there's some resource in, in, in the field of the body that can be really helpful. So I might feel a difficulty in the heart or the throat or something along the center line, something contracted and difficult. And I can feel that and the uh, perhaps peace or softness or calm of the energy body around it. And something is held there or the difficulty and the sense of it being held in the space together, context. And that, again, that's huge. It's really, really huge. So we could put out a question, what else is there? What else is going on? Uh, when I, particularly when I'm having a difficulty, what else is there? And we talked about thoughts and assumptions that can be there and how the mind wants to make judgments and assessments. But there's also a more subtle level of what's there, which is what we could call the energetic relationship with what's going on. So it could be that there's really not much thought or judgment or anything like that, but energetically one is pushing away what's happened, as Chris talked about the other night in the talk, there's aversion there or grasping, I want to hang on to something. And either one is a kind of energetic struggling with experience, attention comes into the relationship. Just a little bit of impatience with what's going on or f- wanting to force it uh, in some way. So we can also expand the sensitivity, not just to notice the thoughts in relationship to what's happening, but the energetic relationship with what's happening. Oftentimes it's more subtle. So, in terms of what else is there that I might not be noticing, oftentimes I said there's really good stuff there that we're just not using. We're just not using because we don't notice it's there. We're sucked into the difficulty. So let's say there's some kind of difficulty going on. Uh, Maybe it's judgment. Uh, And I judge someone. And then I feel the difficulty of of judging, I don't feel good about judging, or whatever it is, could be anything, sadness, whatever. It sounds funny to say, but sometimes we don't let ourselves feel the pain of something so directly. We know it's painful, and we're registering it, but we're not kind of letting the awareness really touch the the, the dukkha, the, the pain of what's going on, and actually really registering, this is suffering. Really, it's like the hand touches the heart and knows this, this is suffering and actually feels it as suffering, as pain. It sounds really obvious, but sometimes we hold back from that. <coughs> What's the point of that? The point is that if very simply 
the hand can just touch pain like that, very directly, very nakedly, very gently. Oftentimes, it might be take a little time to get going, but oftentimes what happens is an organic response of compassion comes. We just, there's pain, and naturally the being gives rise to compassion, can be. But then that's a very interesting moment if that's what happens. Because again, what I see working with people is oftentimes um, they don't, person doesn't do that, person doesn't uh, notice the compassion if it's there. And then if they notice it, they move on too quickly from it. So what would it be if compassion arises to actually really sit in the feeling of compassion, really linger in it, let the body soak and be, be bathed in, in this feeling of compassion. We're too quick to move on uh, from the, the, the gifts and resources that are actually present in us. It's a response of the being that we need to kind of just, just wrap ourselves in for a while. If we don't, it won't soak in and do the heart work for us. And sometimes... I say to people, uh, particularly when there's a difficult emotion going on, I say, is it possible to put some warmth around that difficulty, this heartache or this grief or this not there or whatever it is? Is it possible to put some warmth around it, to kind of hold it, to hold it, to cradle it? Is there something around what's going on? Uh, that's really important. All this is talking about what's around a difficulty. I uh, used an image in the group the other day. Of, it's like a, a dark, jagged rock. But it's uh, surrounded, perhaps, by water. Perhaps cool water or warm water. Just lapping onto the rock. Lapping onto this pain. And that makes all the difference. What's around it. It's in a pool of soothing water. So sometimes I say, is that possible? And for some people, it's just the image or just the question. Uh, It's possible that that opens up and they can somehow, I'm not even sure how they're doing it, they're putting warmth around something or holding it. And for some, like all of this, for some that's not possible. The suggestion, the the question, the image doesn't um, move it to that place, open to that place. So then there's an inquiry that's possible, very gentle inquiry, nothing to do with the inner critic. This is not the inner critic's business. can... uh, Keep it uh, somewhere else. But what might be preventing? What might be preventing or in the way of putting warmth around this difficulty, this difficult emotion? Um, And usually it's our old uh, friend or foe or something, judging. We're judging, and that very judging and being caught up in the judging is preventing that capacity to naturally uh, let the waters of warmth flow around something. Or the meaning that we've given something, in terms of what we were talking about a couple of days ago, with assumptions and thoughts. Or the belief that this is going to go on forever. Or the belief in what it means about me. All this acts as a kind of rigid calcification, a rigid... uh, structure around the difficulty that prevents the waters flowing there. Shame, forcing it in one way or another, 
wanting more catharsis or wanting it to go away or whatever it is. Fear, all this, all this will, will prevent. So good to see that, you know, good to explore, gentle, gentle inquiry into that. And then the flip side of that inquiry, how might we be able to open, open that flow? So this is quite interesting, uh, and just to offer a few possibilities. Something interesting happens when we, and we're going to talk more about this in, uh, in the next couple of days, something really interesting happens if I can really allow something to be there. So if I really allow a pain to be there, a difficulty uh, in the heart, that quality of allowing that's coming into the relationship with this, this uh, phenomenon, it, something starts to happen. It starts to naturally open up space around what's going on. The allowing itself does a kind of work. It opens up a space, and if you just... First thing you notice, ah, there's, I, I tried to allow, I worked on the allowing, and there's, there's more space around something. And then, naturally, as a next movement, just through the allowing, the, the waters, the warmth, and the holding begin to fill that space. The space, even if it's just a little space around something, begins naturally, I'm not doing anything, to be filled with warmth and with the sense of holding. All I've done is allow a bit more, a bit more emphasis on the allowing. Uh, Second possibility. Now, I'm sure you've noticed that when the heart has uh, closed and become hard and rigid in response to what's going on or just in itself, that the body mirrors that. And if you check in, when the heart is uh, rigid, oftentimes the belly is also tight. And and the rest of the musculature in the body, there's also tightness comes into the whole system. So, Hard heart, hard heart leads to hard hardening of body in that moment. In that moment, um, soft heart, softening of the heart. How does the body feel when the heart softens? Well, the belly tends to soften and the body softens. So, soft heart leads to soft body, soft belly. A very interesting thing with causality in in uh, in these kind of work. It it works both ways. So softness, softening the body and softening the belly can soften the heart. So sometimes it's just, we'll work on uh, gently, gently softening the belly, making the belly very soft, making the body as soft as possible. And sometimes it can have a, an effect on the heart. We already said about feeling it as suffering. That's a third possibility. Fourth possibility is uh, an interesting one. When there's difficulty going on, we often contract, and we said this before, and we contract also into a kind of self-view. Oh, I bet no one else is you know, going through this. I bet I'm the only one who has this kind of emotion or who struggles with this, etc. And all this is a kind of tightening illusion of, of self-belief. So it's quite an interesting exercise. If you ever tried this, it's really worth trying. In that moment of difficulty, actually consciously contemplate someone, somewhere, maybe even right now. 
at this moment is going through pretty much exactly the same thing that I am. And what happens there is the sense of contraction of self and me alone, the isolation that comes. See, when it's just, I bet no one else has this, we feel so isolated in our suffering. And that's what they call double dukkha, double suffering. I have this pain and I have the pain of the isolation around it. So just opening up the contemplation, the consciousness to realize, yeah, I am not alone in this. I share this with brothers and sisters in in humanity. We share this together. Uh, Very interesting if you want to play with that. Um, I'll leave a little bit out. I'll say one more possibility. Sometimes, uh, and again I'm working with someone and they're very... uh, stuck in a difficulty, they feel very stuck. And, and it's interesting sometimes to ask them or to person to ask oneself, well, how would I respond to um, a little child who comes in the room and comes up to me right now and says exactly what I've said about the difficulty that I'm going through, that I feel this, 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 and, and, and all the pain of that, and just blurts it out to you. And you can actually use the imagination and what would and notice what's the heart's response? Sometimes it's sort of externalizing this difficulty and uh, putting it in in the in the heart of a child, if you like, can really um, really be helpful. So, in general, we get sucked in and seduced by what's going on, particularly when it's difficult, and we don't realize what else might be accessible to us. Um, Let me throw one more thing out right now. I'm going to talk about anger and fear at some point, I'm not sure when, because they're... um, particular case of uh, difficult emotions to work with. But one of the things that, one of the qualities that can be a real resource for us in our life that we often don't let ourselves access and tap into and recognize and feel is a sense of strength and a sense of power. And this is very interesting, and I think it's particularly common with the kinds of people who would show up on retreat, where we talk a lot about softness and kindness and accepting and, and things like that. And one of the shadow sides of that is that is that we don't let ourselves, it's like not okay to feel our strength and our power. And this is, you know, as always, a double-edged sword and, and kind of interesting. But do we notice... And do we allow, can we allow, can we notice and can we allow when there is a feeling of strength in the being and in the body and a feeling of power? That's not the same as anger. It's not at all the same as anger. It's just pure power. And I don't mean power over someone and uh, making someone submit. I mean power in oneself, in one's being, in one's body. Strength, fullness. Uh, to be able, so oftentimes people I've noticed have a lot of resistance. We have a lot of resistance to letting ourselves feel that strength and that energy and that fullness. And there's all kinds of reasons for this. And sometimes it's that we don't trust ourselves. But how does it feel? How might it feel physically? 
and to inhabit that and let that fill out the being and the sense of the body and the sense of the self. Uh, to me, that's, that's really, really uh, a crucial piece in the jigsaw. Where does that come from, that feeling of power? Well, it might come in relationship to some anger or something, and I realize, oh, there's a strand of, it's not really about anger, there's a strand of my own strength and power here that's manifesting. And one can begin feeling that and letting that expand. But actually, it could come from anything. It could even come from sadness or anything. What it comes from, this feeling of this owning of our own strength and power, it comes from, I think, allowing one's life force to manifest and express. And that's what it is, really. It's allowing the life force to be full, to flow, to, to, to do that. Um, and that includes desire, interestingly. As long as I'm not hooked on the object of desire. Desire is a rising up, a welling up, a flowing of the deep life force, and has in it this strength and this power. The problem is we get hooked, hooked, hooked onto this or that that I think I'm, I need, I want, as Chris was saying the other night. And there's something hidden in all that that's a total gift to ourselves. But we completely prevent it by not allowing it and by sucking, getting sucked into the object that we think we want to get rid of or want to get. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.